Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast that now, more than ever, is about things falling apart. It's been roughly one year since the Dobbs decision has annihilated what was left of the protection for legal abortions in this country, and things have gotten enormously worse in ways that most people are essentially attempting to ignore or hide from. Um, There are, however, a lot of people who cannot essentially run from the absolute horror that has been unleashed in this country. And yeah, I'm going to be talking today and tomorrow with one of those people who is Crystal, who is a, uh, has, has, has the triple crown of abortion work of being an abortion worker, a union organizer, and on the, uh, on the board of an abortion fund. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show, Crystal. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're sorry yeah. I, <laughs> thank you um thank you so much mia it's really nice to be here again um i had a lot of fun last time and it's nice to be talking to you again even though i only have really horrible yeah things <laughs> to say for the most part <laughs> um though there is some good things but yeah. um it's it's mostly really awful <laughs> yeah um, so i i guess i guess that's where i want to start is it's well okay i think I'm pretty sure that so the day this is coming out, it's going to be, I think, two days before the anniversary of Dobbs. And I wanted to, I guess, first just ask what it's been like emotionally before we get to uh, the sort of like more material consequences of it, if that's all right. Yeah. So um, as an abortion worker, this has been an incredibly difficult year. And that's. That's with the context that things were not good before yeah. last June 24th, um, 2022. Uh, things were not good before then. So, you know, we were we were really running up against this 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 impending decision that we knew was going to happen and then it ended up happening and then it was really horrible. And honestly, it's been horrible every single day since. And it just gets more 
horrible every single week. And um, that's, you know, I, I sound so negative saying that, I know, but I I just know that I'm saying that knowing that there's so many amazing people who are doing like abortion advocacy and abortion care work and offering abortion services and practical support for abortion. Um, And it has just been an incredibly heavy year for us. Um, We've we've seen – we've all witnessed a lot in the last year and we're all carrying a lot and it's it's just hard and I'm really grateful – for everyone that I, I work with and that I'm in community with, but it's, it's been traumatizing. Um, I know that, you know, it's really easy to say, I think like, oh, you know, this is traumatic and that's traumatic, but, um, I don't know what else, what other word to use to, to having, to having had witnessed everything that we've witnessed in the last year and to know that there's no end in sight. It is incredibly traumatic. It's like a national trauma. We're all sharing it together. Yeah. Okay. I I guess we should get into sort of what the things that you've been seeing have looked like. And I think like one of the best ways to do this, I think is by just talking about like what the process is like of trying to get someone an abortion because it's gotten so much harder and so much more dangerous very rapidly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there things have changed a lot in the last year because, you know, if we're, if we're starting from when things really hit the fan, June 24th, uh, 2022, even though things were getting worse before that, because, you know, for example, um, there was the, the ban, um, in Texas that started on September 1st and in, in, in 2021. So that, you know, things I f- saw a lot in my head, if I can point, like, when did I really know that we were, we were fucked and we were going to, like, we were going to see the worst outcome. Um, I would say on September 1st, 2021, but um, we saw the initial trigger bans go into effect immediately after the Dobbs decision. Uh, so, you know, like for example, Texas, the bans went into effect immediately. There were other states that it was a little bit more delayed, like for example, Ohio. And then there's also been a lot of back and forth because um, some states in which there have been bans, now those are currently paused and they're being worked through the legal system and other are new bans. There's pretty much been a new ban, it feels like pretty much every week to the point where I know that I just named a couple of states just now. And just to be cautious, I just want to say that you know, look, you can go to like abortionfinder.org or I need an A.com and like look up your state to see, you know, if you have access in your state. It changes so frequently that you really do have to kind of rely on those reliable websites like Abortion Finder and I need an A to really make sure that you're up to date. So, you know, don't like if I mention a state, you know, I'm just it might have been there might have been something in effect months ago and I'm just like alluding to it. So just definitely rely on those resources that exist to see what's up to date now. But yeah, things have been incredibly um, back and forth for a lot of states in the last year. And it's it's just there are holes in access. There are deserts in access that just keep widening and widening and widening. The most devastating being um Recently, this this was just this was a really bad day um, for for me and, and a lot of my coworkers when um, there was the vote in Florida and and uh, the Florida ban is not yet in effect but will eventually be going into effect um, and 
And that was really like one of the last places that you could access an abortion in the Southeast. So now when you look at a map, which I do a lot, I, I, I now have to look at a map every single day for work um, and look at like, you know, individual state maps and like I'm on Google maps constantly. Um, but there, there, there are places where you have no choice but to travel to get an abortion or access um, abortion services online if that is possible for you. And, you know, there there are resources available where if you, as an individual, need an abortion and you keep looking and you search and you reach out to people, those resources are out there. You know, so practical support groups exist. Funding exists. Um Clinics and service providers will bend over backwards to get you to your appointment and help you access these services. So, you know, there is help out there, but it is, it's really difficult and it's, it takes a lot of work to access an appointment. Um, so everything's, it just, it, it takes longer to get to an appointment. It takes you have to travel further. You end up paying so much more money. Like everything is just so much more expensive than it was a year ago because now you're not just paying, you know, for the procedure cost and then maybe like a little bit of gas money to the appointment. You're having to figure out plane tickets, hotels, um, gas money for whatever, dis- like really long distances. I have, I've seen patients driving 12 hours to get to Jesus. an appointment. Yeah. And and I can talk more about like what that process looks like too, yeah. but I guess I just wanted to give like a general overview of it's just getting harder to access, longer distances traveling, and um, and and more expensive. And luckily, there is people, there are people there to help, and there is support, but it it, it requires a ton of work, a ton, a ton of work, um, in order to make sure that people are getting the healthcare that they need. Yeah, and and I guess well, okay, two things. One, I want to I want to start the abortion fund plug like right here because you know yeah. As, <laughs> yeah as as the cost of this increases, that means you know like abortion funds need more money in order mm-hmm. to be able to keep doing this because every dollar that they don't have is you know potentially is like not even potentially like is another person who's not going to be able to get an abortion. And, yeah, every every dollar matters. Yeah, and um. And I know that I, I feel like a lot of leftists sometimes get a little tired of hearing about, oh, donate to your abortion fund, donate to an abortion fund, because like they're like, oh, this this is not radical. But abortion funds are the only way in which abortions are happening right now, because yeah. it, 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 it costs like you might have to spend like two thousand to three thousand dollars on a person sometimes in order to make sure that they get health care. And that's just one person. So the only reason that abortions are still happening is because one, people are putting that work in to make sure that they happen. And and like, you know, those people are amazing. And yeah. also pay, like people seeking health care are amazing. They're incredibly brave to be doing what they're doing, to be working so hard to get health care, to be navigating all of these obstacles that you have to be like, that's like, you have to be strong to do that. Um, that's an incredibly brave thing to do. Um, ha- having to fly in an airplane, if you've never flown before to, to access health care that you know you need, like you're, you're being really strong and you're being amazing, but um, you don't, you shouldn't have to do that. And yeah. so it's a lot of money. So thank God that the money is there because if the money wasn't there, then people would not be able to be helped. So I know that like 
you know, oh, donate to abortion fund, donate to an abortion fund. But really, like if you want people to continue to get abortions now, not just waiting until like November in an election, yeah. then you need to make sure that the money is there for people to do that because it is expensive. Yeah, and we're talking something like two or three thousand dollars, right? Like, can, like, can can you person listening to this? Could you right now spend three thousand dollars on something and be fine? Right, and the answer is probably not. But and you know, and, and there's a and there are like a lot of people in this country who need abortions who are like way less well off than you are. Like that is a shit ton of like that 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 is a lot of money for me, like podcaster. Um, that is you know a crippling amount of money for a lot of the people who need this. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's something really bleak about the way our society is structured where your freedom and your bodily autonomy are dependent on having money. But that's basically where we're at, right? Like that's, that's, that's the, that's the way the system works right now. And yeah, there's a part of me that like, doesn't want to lean in and like, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm a socialist. I don't want to be like, Oh, you know, money, money, money. But like, that is the only reason people are getting healthcare is because there is money available and people are banding together to pool that money to make it available to people who need it. So I'm just like, thank God. Like, I'm so glad because otherwise I would not be able to get people to their appointments. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. 
In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I can like talk out that process too. Like, you know, what does it look like now? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, let, let's actually go through this. Yeah, I want to start off with like what it what I was when I started. So I've been working in abortion care for six years now. Um, and when I started, I was working in a call center and I would schedule appointments. So I would get a call and I'd collect information and I would book the appointment and I'd say, uh you know, thank you um, for access, you know, for reaching out to us for your services and we will see you at your appointment. And, you know, the, the calls were long because, you know, we'd have to work out financial assistance. And then also uh, abortion care is often just like a really intimate type of healthcare yeah. to be accessing. So there's a lot of factors sometimes to discuss with the person that was accessing services. Um, and it can be really complicated with all of those factors. So, you know, like it's always been um, pretty labor intensive to schedule someone sometimes, but it was a it was a fairly you know fairly short phone call for the most part most of the time, and then you just get somebody scheduled, and then you move on and you schedule someone else. And that was six years ago for me, and um, and I'm not saying that more difficult situations didn't come up because of course abortion access was not good six years ago either. But the way in which it's changed is so marked. And I feel like there's so many people have witnessed this where it went from from that to it, it taking weeks to work with one individual to get them to an appointment because there is no clinic within eight hours driving distance to them. Um, and so the whole intake process and the whole just like getting the funds together, I guess I'll just walk you through it because like yeah. I just I, I don't even know how else to relate. So let's say just like hypothetically, you know, you're an individual who is living in a banned state um, and they're the closest actual brick and mortar abortion clinic to you is nine hours away, which is the situation for so many people that I talk to and that are living in the United States. And let's say you don't have a car. And you have children and um, you don't want everybody to know your business. So you like, you don't want everybody in your family knowing that you need an abortion um, and that you're looking for that type of health care. So you're trying to do what you can by yourself and you're Googling and you're looking at different resources. And what, what I witness a lot um, as a healthcare worker helping someone through this process is there's a lot of dead ends when people are trying to find someone that can provide them with those abortion services. They, you know, they're looking at the clinics that are close to them and they're seeing that they're nine hours away and they can't get to them. They're looking up 
flight tickets and they're seeing it's like $800 for there and back and they, they can't afford that on top of the procedure cost. And let's just say hypothetically they're early in the pregnancy and the procedure might cost maybe $400, $500, $600, which is still a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. So I don't want to pretend like that's not. But um, on top of that, then there's also the plane tickets, trying to find a way to the airport um, and all of that. And they're just reaching a lot of dead ends. Like, I can't possibly go here and I can't possibly go here. And okay, like maybe I can go online and order some medication, um, but it might not arrive for several weeks. And what if it doesn't arrive? I mean, that's like a really scary thing to be doing, like knowing you need healthcare and knowing that you're relying on the mail and like hoping that you get your packet um, and that you can trust wherever you're purchasing the medication from. And if you can't even really, like, let's say that you're, you're, further along um and you maybe are like 20 weeks and your your options are incredibly more limited and you're paying a lot more if you don't have insurance coverage which most pe- most people don't so you're paying like maybe up to i don't know like it, it 2000 3000 4000 um for a procedure and and you just need help and you need to ask for help which is already like a not a good spot to be in because you're yeah. you're accessing healthcare and you have no choice but to ask for help, and you and shouldn't have to. That's really fucking hard, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think like, on an intellectual level, I think everyone has an experience, which is how hard it is to ask for help for stuff that's, like, incredibly minor. And then you're doing this for a really intimate, like, yeah. healthcare decision. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, super personal. Like, your decision might be based on, like, a bunch of factors that are just, like, really personal for you and you wish you didn't have to tell people or you wish you didn't have to talk to so many people about an appointment um, because, you know, for, for most healthcare appointments, even though healthcare in general is not easy to access, you just call in, you schedule the appointment, and maybe you have to pay a copay and that's annoying. And then maybe the appointment is four months out and that's awful too. But, um, you know, it, it's, this just makes everything worse for, for the individual. So let's just say like, you know, they keep trying and they keep trying and they keep looking and, you know, let's say they get to me and I'm somebody who, um, I do, I do scheduling now for, for patients who need to travel and I, um, I help them get financial assistance for the cost of travel and for their appointment. So a lot of times when I get in touch with someone, they've already encountered so many dead ends. And when I am not the dead end, they're filled with so much relief that a lot of times this, this happens almost every day. Now, um, someone will get in touch with me and they'll just start crying when I tell them that what, that I can help them. And that is not a good feeling because I feel like maybe in like other types of work or maybe even like before, like maybe years ago, like when somebody was like grateful, it might feel good. Like, Oh, I'm so glad I can help them. But when someone who is like a caregiver, a worker, somebody who needs healthcare and they're scared and they're crying out of relief, it, it it does not feel good. It makes me feel really horrible because they have already been robbed of their dignity by the time that I talk to them. And I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's disgusting that they've already been put in the situation that is dehumanizing. And, and I just, it doesn't feel good when they yeah. cry in relief. It just does not feel good. So just con- continuing this, the tale of, uh, you know, this patient accessing an appointment. So, um, 
so let's say, you know, they, they can get an appointment in a clinic. It's not in their state because there's no, it's not legal to provide an abortion in their state. So they have to travel, um, two States away and get to the clinic. So the flight tickets are $800 and the cost of the appointment is 400. So already that's $1,200, um, which luckily I am so grateful and glad that I have the ability to arrange financial assistance for that. And I can work with individuals to, to do that. Thank, thank the Lord. Um, like they honestly, I shouldn't, no, not thank the Lord. Thank yeah, fuck these the Lord. Ain't people. Fuck the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like thank these people so much. I'm just like so yeah. glad they exist and they're there and that there's such hard workers. Oh my God. But yeah, so that's $1,200 that we can, that we can look into covering. So that way the person pays whatever they are capable of paying, even if that's nothing. Um, because, you know, some of these people like, like they're living paycheck to paycheck because they're taking care of their children and like their family is coming first. That is what is happening is they are taking care of their family and they are being a good caregiver. Um, so the, you know, the money is going to food on the table. So that's, that's like $1,200. But then there's a couple other things you have to factor in is like, does this person need a hotel? Because that can be an additional, what, like 100, 200, you know, depending. Um, and does this person have a car? Can they pay for the gas money? Um, especially if they're driving. Cause like, let's say they could get to an airport, but the airport is still two hours away. You still need gas money. You still have to park at the airport. You got to pay for airport parking. And then you get on the air, you know, you get on the airplane and you fly over to the state where your appointment is, you get off the airplane, and then there is surge pricing for Lyft and Uber. And let's say the Uber, it could be anywhere from like maybe $50 or $100, depending on what's going on. And that is just more money that needs to be spent. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> fact, the fact that they're getting hit by fucking Uber surge yeah. pricing is so mm-hmm. monstrous. Yeah, just, and like airports in general, like ugh, like getting out of an airport yeah. using a rideshare is pretty terrible. But yeah, you got to pay the that surge pricing. Um, so and then you get to the clinic, and then you have your services, which is really like when you're accessing healthcare. I mean, we're all we all access healthcare. We're all human beings who need healthcare. Like you really want to be able to focus on that appointment and the care you're getting. But at this point, they've already traveled. Like they're they've been on a journey, so they arrive to the appointment and get the healthcare that really should have been what they should have been able to focus on. Um, and then they got to go back. So then they got to do the whole thing. They got to go through airport security, get back, get the Uber from the airport. And then let's say they have a two hour flight back. And that's, I mean, that could be done in all, all in one day, but sometimes it can't be like, sometimes it's just not possible to do all that in one day. And that's like another obstacle that I come across is that a lot, a lot I would say most of the patients I talk to are already parents. So they're like, I have to be back that evening because I don't have childcare overnight. Like I don't have overnight childcare. So then I'm like trying to get them back the same evening um, because, because they're a parent. And, And then like, can you imagine just like, you know, just like imagine your own parents, like your own like mom, just like, zipping away for one day to go get like a really simple healthcare procedure. And then they have to like rush back and you're already in bed. And, and, um, it's just so stressful. It's so stressful for the, for the parent, for any, any family members that might be like, kind of like sharing this whole stressful experience with them, any friends, um, Mm. any loved ones. And it's just, you have to find time off too. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, I didn't even get into that. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I just, I said a lot of numbers just now. So I know I started off with 1200 and then I tacked on a bunch of extra things. Oh, and I didn't mention that you're going to have to eat that day. You know, like yeah. you're, you're in another state and yeah. you have to get food. <laughs> so like it easily for one person starts racking up until like over 2000. And, um, that's why abortion funds are really important. Um, but that's also, that's a lot. That's a lot. And that's a lot on top of like an intimate healthcare appointment. And, um, you know, just, just outlining how much someone has to do to get to an appointment. There's, there's even a couple other factors to consider too, because a lot of these people who are having to fly or drive these long distances to their appointment, they would have never been in that situation otherwise. So, you know, you, these are individuals who have never flown on a plane before maybe because like they've just never been in a situation in which they needed to fly on a plane. They've always been able to drive to like vacations and everything. Like, you know, like, oh, family vacation, you drive maybe like four hours and, you know, you have fun and you just don't want to go on a plane. It makes you nervous. And that's a lot of people live like that. So all of a sudden these people have no choice. Like, oh, you have to get on a plane and otherwise you're going to have to drive 12, 13 hours. So they get on a plane and they're scared because they've never done it before because they're already stressed out that they're going to a doctor's appointment. Um, they're already stressed out that they're relying on basically strangers to get them there, and, which is – that's like a whole other topic is like you have to rely on strangers um, and that's – you know, people shouldn't have to do that. And um, and then also um, – you have to navigate an airport. So a lot of my job has become looking at maps. Like I'm looking at a map, like how far away is this someone from a clinic? How far away are they from an airport? You know, can they go here? Can they go here? Um, but I'm also on the phone with people kind of describing how airports work. Like here's what airport security looks like. People are afraid of TSA and I don't blame them. I fucking hate TSA. They're always yeah. assholes. <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah. They make everything worse. You got to go through TSA and you gotta, you gotta know how to get your tickets and you gotta know how to where you know, to get to a terminal. A lot of people don't like, if you've never flown before, they might not know that they're supposed to get on that little train thingy, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like you yeah. a little train, you go to yeah. your terminal and like a lot of people don't know that. And, um, all of a sudden they have to find out really fast. Um, and I have to explain it. And that's part of their abortion care. Part of people's abortion care is now talking them through an airport. Um, and that that has that uh, sucks. <laughs> that's become like the daily yeah. experience. That's become the daily experience. Whereas, like, yeah, six years ago, these used to be like, okay, I'm gonna book your appointment. You're gonna come in. Your appointment's gonna be maybe like I don't know five hours, and then you, you and then you leave and you drive home, and maybe you're only driving like thirty minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. And now we're having people who, you know flights or it's a 12 hour drive, um, two hour flight there, two hour flight back. The flight lands at like midnight, you know, like, and then your kids are in bed and it's like, it's so much. And you can see why people give up and people are giving up. Um, in fact, the numbers are, the numbers are hard to hear. Um, I know that there was a study that showed that in the first six months after the Dobbs decision, 36,000 people who wanted an abortion couldn't get one. And that is only in the first six months. So I'm sure that that number is, is much, I, I, 
I'm like dreading seeing new numbers, but I'm sure the number is much higher now. So when you're faced with all of this, people do give up because it is too much, um, which was the whole point of, of all of the bands and everything that's happened. The point was to make people give up. And I think that a lot of leftists maybe don't want to acknowledge that people are giving up. They want to believe that people will keep trying and they'll find those resources and they will get to the appointments because help is available. But not everyone finds the help that is out there and not everyone can make it work. Like there's a lot of reasons why people can't do this ridiculous thing I just described. And, and then um, as abortion care workers, we see them give up. And I think that's kind of been the biggest one of the biggest changes for me is just how often I see people give up and just having to witness that because it's like, well, what does it mean when someone gives up? Um, what does it mean when someone stops trying to get the healthcare that they're looking for? They're changing their entire plans. Like, you know, cause like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people have like ideas of what they're doing with their life. And they're like, I want to have this many kids. I want to have them at these times. And I want to be with this person or I don't want to be with anyone and, and I want to work this job and, and go to this school or whatever, you know, you're, you're making plans. And then all of a sudden, because of this situation, you have to change your plans. And, and there's even worse things happening than that. But I, I think that that's bad enough is that you, you can't get what you need and you just have to just change your life. and accept defeat and 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 take a path that you did not want to take and it's fucking sad and it's more than sad sad is an understatement i don't know what word it is it's horrible because this has been taken from them the choice has been taken from them completely and that's that is going to have effects that we are going to see for decades to come and that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around like what does it mean for that, that tens and tens of thousands of people to not have had the healthcare that they need. It means that um, we're going to see like the negative health effects for years to come because that is a lot of people. That is a lot of, that's a lot of people and that's going to impact people in really long-term ways for, for a really long time. And knowing that is, is really, I don't know, words are kind of failing me. Yeah, it's, it's like, be, it's like beyond traumatic bleak. beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there will be studies in years from now. I'm sure, but like it's been a year and I can say like it's those it's going to the data is going to be really bad. The data is going to be really bad based on everything that I've already seen, so. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Suffering is not something you can quantify. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the amount of human suffering that's been unleashed by this is, yeah. like, one of the worst crimes that's happened in a century full of, like, unspeakable crimes. And the suffering looks different for each individual, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, because it's just the whole, the whole, the it's autonomy. You're losing control over your life and your body and your family and your, and, and there's just so many things. And... It, it looks different for each person. So it's, for some people, it's like you have to just fucking change everything that you're fucking doing. You can't control your life or your body. Um, and then for other people, it can be even worse than that where where you are – you're risking death because pregnancy is incredibly dangerous. So there are people who who are putting themselves in, in really dangerous situations um, with their pregnancies and they're being denied the care that they need. So you see people um, – who are being forced to to risk their life because they can't get the care they need. And people are losing their body parts and their fertility because recently I read a story um, and then there's these horror stories every day, which I like, I read them because I want to know everything that's happening. But I also am so resentful that like every day there's like a new like horror story about these services. But recently there was someone, uh, there was somebody who wasn't able to get timely abortion care it had to continue a pregnancy and ended up losing her uterus even though she did not 
she wanted to have more kids. She, she like wanted yeah. to continue having children. Yeah. So all of a sudden, because she couldn't get an abortion, she couldn't continue to expand her family in the way that she wanted. Yeah, I mean, she's getting um, sterilized effectively. Yeah, like, exactly. Like by the state, which is, yeah. yeah. So it, it's the the suffering is is so different for each individual and so intimate to them. Um, there and, and it's it's going all the way up to like just like state mandated just like body horror basically and and it's deadly it's really deadly which is hard to talk about yeah i mean you know just having said that um should we talk a little bit about gabriela gonzalez and yeah how you know the other thing about abortion care is that it's not just that pregnancy is dangerous physically it's that pregnancy like pregnancy is really dangerous socially because you know we live in an incredibly patriarchal society and that means patriarchal violence is a real threat. Yeah. And this is always, this, unfortunately, one component of abortion care is, um, it it often involves interpersonal violence, um, or more, you know, a lot of people say domestic violence and it's because a lot of partners will try to control someone, um, through, through pregnancy. And it's a tactic of abuse that, that does come up. And, um, if somebody does get pregnant while they are in that kind of relationship and you, that's, that's a big thing, you know, you, a lot of times they, it, it makes sense that if they're trying to get away from someone, um, that, you know, they don't want to continue the pregnancy. Um, so, and then that might be something that the partner might be intimately involved in where either they know about it or they don't know about it. And if they know about it, they could be pressuring the individual. It's unfortunately something that is often a component of this healthcare is that that is a factor that the person seeking healthcare is dealing with. So in terms of, um, and all of this is, I'm like, I, this is all really, really triggering stuff too. And um, so, you know, trigger warning, but um, with Gabriela Gonzalez, um, that was something that happened. I think it was in, it was was in May. I remember it was in mid-May because the news hit it hit hard for us for um like a lot of abortion care workers and practical support you know advocates because it's the thing that we 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 try so hard to keep our patients safe um when they disclose things to us you know they we the patient safety is the number one priority and the fact of the matter is these bans make it harder for people to access the services safely. So in the case of Gabriela Gonzalez, um, I, I just want to say her name. She was a mother of three children. She was 26 years old when she was murdered by her ex-partner after she accessed an abortion in another state. So she was located in Texas. She had to travel to Colorado to get an abortion. And when she came back, um, unfortunately, she was murdered by her by her ex, um, and just like a couple, just like a couple of things on 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 that is, it's just if you are trying to be discreet and you're trying to you know take care of your healthcare, it's hard to keep things private if you have to tr- fly to another or drive yeah. to another yeah. state. It's just the situation is is just so much more complicated than than it would be if you could access those services at home or or near near where you are. It, it's easier to keep that information private. Um 
it's easier to handle that situation in a timely way. So I, I feel like, I mean, our, our country is failing everyone pretty much, but I, I'm torn apart and devastated. And this was, this news hit so hard to learn about Gabriela Gonzalez, um, and what happened to her and knowing that, you know, we try so hard to keep our patients safe and being careful about communications, being careful about what we hand patients even. Like there are some times like, it's like, well, I cannot give you any handouts. So here's how we're going to provide you the information. Um, because it's, you know, people can't even have that information on their phone or or in their purse, on their person. And trying so hard and then just having like the state defy you in every way. And and it's just really it's trapping people in the in this these violent situations that you say yeah, I mean these situations have ex- always existed yeah. but ever since these abortion bans went into effect it has made them even even more dangerous yeah and i mean you know and i th- i think in terms of just sort of getting at what the people who support this stuff believe like they know about this like this is this mm-hmm. is what they want to happen right like this is you know, th- this this is what this is what it this is what it actually means to have an ideology that's based on patriarchal control. Is this shit? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's this. Like this is this this violence and the, like this kind of coercion is what they want. These are also you know like the, again these are there's a reason these are also the people who want to end at fault divorce, right? Like they like their entire ideology is based on men being able to inflict violence. Yep. And and yeah. And you know, and these are what pro life people and. You know, Gabrielle Gonzalez was a mother of three children. She was a mother and her children needed her. And now she's gone. And and I, I feel like the abortion bans and the de- like the de- the demolition of abortion services in the United States has led to this situation and will continue to lead to more situations yeah. like this. And they're all devastating and and I hate it. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's fucking just, awful. It's so fucking bad. Yeah, and I know that. Like, I'm like, where do I go from there? Like, yeah, it's, like <laughs> after saying it's like the worst shit in the world, and then yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess the thing I can say after that, right, is like, if, if if you want to live in a world that is not just utterly controlled by the most evil people who've ever lived by you know that is defined by enormous engines of human suffering like these people their politics their logistical support networks their parties like the the entire political apparatus that is doing it needs to be completely destroyed like like raised to the ground in a way that it, it like literally can never recover and that is the thing that is possible, right? It it is it is possible to completely destroy political movements. It is possible to just drive them so far underground that people forget they even existed. And you know, and then that has happened to movements before that were you know as powerful as this one. So it can be yeah. done. It's just it it it, it requires, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it 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 requires a level of political will that most that you know politicians don't give a shit about. Because this is not something that affects them. And speaking of politicians not giving a shit, going back to like, you know, the initial reflection on like, you know, it's it's been a year since Roe v. Wade was overturned and the Dobbs decision. And 
the po- what has happened? Like, what have the politicians done to alleviate all of this suffering that you know I, I've been talking about? And it's it's very little. Like, the biggest win that we've had is mifepristone not being banned, which is horrible. Because like, oh, and then that was that whole yeah thing, that whole separate. That's like a whole other thing. But um, that is such a bleak win, especially since it's not even gone. And we're going to see this issue come back with mifepristone. And and that's another thing too, because if that does happen, like misoprostol is amazing and misoprostol is very effective. Um, and taking misoprostol only for abortion is effective, but it's also more symptomatic. And given just like, you know, like we were talking about people, like just people being exposed to violence, people um, having to act, doing just like moving mountains and having to cross mountains and and go on a journey to get these abortion services in literally what can be often a 30 minute to an hour appointment. Um, if you're, you know, lucky, it's not always like that. But anyways, like these services aren't complicated. Like, you know, like it's not like a, like these. Yeah, we have the technology. Yeah, we have the technology. Like, like it, to get medication, you just go and you get the medication and they tell you how to take the medication and they make sure they can prescribe you the medication. You get it. It's not like that can be like a 15 minute appointment. And then if you're, um, if you're like under, um, a certain gestational age, a, f- a first trimester abortion, it can be only like five minutes. Like this, this is not complicated healthcare. This is very simple healthcare. And you're adding all these extra factors in. So when you're, when you have to prescribe someone a medication that is more symptomatic, which is just adding, like, it's just one more complication. Like, and the attack on abortion services has always been death by a thousand cuts. Um, and this is just like one more cut that we really, really do not need. So, but that was a win. And, and, and it's like, that is such a shitty win. And then you have some States that are becoming like sanctuary States where they're like, you know, where, um, I hate, I hate saying that word. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say sanctuary states because it's really not that. But yeah, they're I mean, saying we're, like, we're a safe place for you to get an abortion and we're never we're always going to have abortion services. And it's like, what does that mean if you have so many patients traveling from other states that you're booking five weeks out? Yeah, well, they won't. And it's like they won't <laughs> fucking fund it. Right. Like, yeah. this, this is the thing that like I, I've been just like unbelievably fucking angry about. Right. Is it like, you know, Dobbs in, 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 in terms of just the raw sort of politics of it, right, in terms of just pure getting votes. This is the best thing that's ever fucking happened in the Democratic Party, right? They have been reaping the fucking electoral rewards for this. And what have they been fucking doing for 50 goddamn years? Like, nothing, know. right? And, and this and this is something that, like, okay, you know, if, if, you, if you look at the way the right has been, like, fucking dealing with this, right? It's at every single step, right? You know, they, they, they're constantly involved in lawsuits. Or they, they're, they're constantly pushing the boundaries and doing literally whatever they can within the within and without the, the bounds of the law right i mean we've talked about the sort of vigilante campaigns right but like you know do, like doing things like 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 you know i mean the, the one of the classic ones is requiring like facilities that do abortions to have like a specific length of hallway or like, yep. like width of hallway that's different yeah and like they've been doing all of this fucking legal bullshit to make it as hard as, as humanly possible right is there a Democrat version of this? No, no. They no. fucking they came to the height of like even 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 the states that have this shit. Well, it's, it's not like they're mm-hmm. they're not fucking funding it, right? It's like no. they're not they're not fucking paying. Like they, they there's shit that they could be doing, and they just they don't care yeah. because this is this is a you know this is a very nice thing they can trot out in their fucking fundraising meetings, and they can get people to vote for them. But 
they're not going to they're not going to wage this kind of campaign that the Republicans have been like they're not going to wage a pro axis campaign on the scale I mean, at all right but they're not going to not going to wage one on the scale the Republicans have been doing to like make sure that you fucking can't get these services yeah it's like the, these blue states they're not safe and there there's like the ridiculous there was like stockpiling misoprostol or whatever some states were saying they were doing and it's like if you're really looking out for people and you're really trying to defy these awful human rights violating laws then send the medication to banned states yeah i mean i, I help I, I, patients in banned states like don't abandon texas yeah don't abandon louisiana and mississippi like help them and because like where are they going they're going to blue states like there's like there's like a ripple effect and i i feel like i talked about this last time when i was on um talking to you where okay you can't get these healthcare services near you so you go somewhere else and the people locally can't get those services so then they have to travel farther and there's like this ripple effect to the point where like i'm sure that like blue states are seeing more appointments than ever and i know for a fact like here in pennsylvania here in pittsburgh where literally we're seeing we're always seeing people in ohio just because they ohio even though abortion is legal in ohio um it's just there's a lot of restrictions there so it's a little yeah. tricky um but then there's like west virginia and like kentucky and tennessee and you're seeing so many more patients so you're booking out further and it's like if you're let's say you're eight weeks and you find out so if you're eight weeks pregnant, then you're um you've only missed your period like for like a couple of weeks. It's really like, you know, you 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 can find out you're eight weeks pregnant, you're like, you just found out really. Um, and you call somewhere near you to get an appointment, but the appointment is five weeks away. So all of a sudden you go from eight weeks to thirteen weeks. It's like yeah, what the heck? Clock. It's like Yeah, like it's totally different options. Like, um, and that's happening in blue states. And it's like, so this is impacting literally everyone, but no politicians or even like big talking heads are really doing anything about it because it just gets worse. There's just more bans constantly. Yeah. And, and I, I want to talk a bit about this, the sanctuary bullshit too, because I there, 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 this is like the third fucking issue that we've seen politicians be like, oh, we're a sanctuary state. It's like, yeah, okay. Like I, I, I remember when I was doing fucking anti-ice raid stuff, right? Do you know, do you, do you know how much, how much time we fucking spent trying to stop raids, like ice raids in saying in quote unquote sanctuary states? Mm-hmm. Like it's bullshit. It's always been fucking bullshit. They don't mean it. And, you know, it, like, it, like all of the fucking like they, they it, this is this, the sanctuary state thing is just like a thing that they fucking say so that they can, you know, just sort of like, like rally their base support and like build towards mm-hmm. their, whatever presidential run they're going to do in 20, like 32 or whatever. And it it doesn't it's not it's not helping people. And, and it's just not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's not a strategy that works. And I mean, it's just entirely selfish. It's it's it's. It's rage inducing because it's, you know, how do I feel as an abortion worker? You know, it's been a year since Roe v. Wade was overturned and I have to witness all of this needless suffering and trauma and people's safety being compromised and and people being hurt and uh, people giving up. And, And then these politicians not doing anything. I am so I'm full of so much anger that it's it's sometimes numbing like sometimes I'm just so angry yeah. that I yeah. kind of feel nothing like it kind of like it's like it, it it's so far 
down the spectrum that I like just it just turns into like a non-emotion basically like so much anger that it's blinding and feels like nothing um and I don't even know where I don't even know what to do with it other than focus into just like continuing to provide healthcare where it's like oh I'm so angry and I'm so mad and I feel so terrible I am going to make sure that this person gets an abortion <laughs> like that's what yeah. I can do I yeah. can I can get people to an appointment and I don't I I want to do more. I want to go and and just like raise everything to the ground and be like like you were saying, but I can't be the only one doing that. Like we all have to do. Yeah. <laughs> like we all have to raise everything to the ground. Um because this is so untenable and so unfair and and is creating such a huge ripple of suffering that we're all going to be experiencing yeah. for decades and i'm really bitter about it <laughs> um i'm super angry and super bitter and 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 it's 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 not going to get better too it's it's not um i have to be honest about that because if i'm not then i'm not going to be prepared but we're going to continue to see these bands they're not going away right now um the myth of Princeton issue is going to come back and and we're going to keep seeing it and it's spreading and you know i know that that's like a whole other topic too but um the ripple effects are really immense um and every time someone is hurt well every individual like when i heard that 36,000 number that really hurt yeah um Cause you know, I know how many patients I've seen in the last year and it is, it's less than 36,000. So like I'm happy, every time I help someone, I'm so happy. And I'm like, yes, you know, I helped this person get healthcare. I'm really happy. And then I look at that 36,000 number and I'm like, oh my God, there are so many other people who were not able to find help. And I'm, and I don't like, like I said, like, I don't even feel good when someone is like thanking me and they, oftentimes people will say, people will say to me, I hear this almost every day. You have no idea how grateful and thankful I am. And it's like, I really don't, I don't know. Cause I'm not in your shoes and I feel I'm, and I'm sorry that I, that you had to come to me like this. Like, I'm sorry. I feel I'm so sad in like such a deep visceral way that when someone is saying like you'll never know know how thankful I am that they just weren't able to go to their local doc- doctor's office or even have the medication mailed to them and and have it like come in like 2 days and just take it and follow up with the doctor on the phone if needed you know something super simple which would make sense and i am just i'm i just i i hate it i fucking hate it yeah. <laughs> i just keep coming to that i'm like this is so bad <laughs> this is so bad uh i want to keep doing it but it sucks. Yeah. We're going to talk more about this next episode and also how the things that we're seeing in abortion care have been spiraling out and spreading to other sectors of the healthcare system, including trans healthcare. But in the meantime, we have an enormous number of links to different abortion funds and various uh, abortion worker groups who also need your support. So yeah, please support them and 
Yeah, so that that's going to be the next episode is because yeah, again, like this this isn't a, you know, once once you have like an evil like this has been unleashed into the world, yeah. it, it doesn't just stay in one place, right? It keeps moving, it keeps going after different people, it keeps expanding, and it keeps just rippling through the world. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about yeah, like you know, I mean, the fights that abortion workers have been having, um, and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you a brief bit of hope at the end of like yeah. what you can do because like. Fuck it. The world does not need to be like this. Like, this is not, you know, I mean, there's there's the old David Graeber lines like that is the ultimate hidden truth of this world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. Let's do it. Let's make it different. Yeah, let's fucking do that. <laughs> let's, let's not let's not let's not make a fucking immense engine of human suffering. Yeah. Um. Before we go for this episode, uh, do you have stuff that you want to plug in terms of like abortion fund links, in terms of resources? Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I was talking about um, just abortion funds in general. So find your local abortion fund. You know, go to abortionfunds.org and you know whatever your local abortion fund support it. And if you feel like you you know your local abortion fund like you've been supporting them or they get a lot of support and you want to support um, maybe like funds elsewhere that are doing doing the good work, then I would recommend um, the Texas Equal Access Fund, the T-Fund in Texas. Um, they are being so amazing and I love them. And also I I know that the Chicago Abortion Fund is a huge fund, yeah. but I just, I love them so much. So I just, they can't have enough money. Just go yeah, donate they're, they're to, good people. they're so amazing. So Texas Equal Access Fund, the T-Fund, um, the Chicago Abortion Fund—they are doing such important work. So, you know, if you if you're looking for someone outside of your local abortion fund, which you should be supporting, then also check them out as well. Yeah. So, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back tomorrow. We will be talking more about this. We'll be talking about what you can do. And yeah, until then, donate to your abortion funds. And yeah, make 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 the lives of the people who did this fucking miserable and destroy their political power. Yes. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.